Well, just as we did on Good Friday, I thought today we would start you know, here at the end of the story in Revelation and, and then turn our thoughts back to that first Easter Sunday. Because as it turns out, the passage we looked at on Friday in Revelation 20 about how everything ends is not how it ends after all. Revelation 21, we now open. God is making a whole new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. Look at that good news in verse 1. John receives a bit more of this vision and look what he saw. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. If you recall our scripture from Good Friday in the passage just before this, At the end of chapter 20, a final judgment will come and every single person will be judged by their deeds which are all written in God's books. Living and dead, everyone will be held to account as to how they have lived and and no one will take into that judgment a clean sheet. But there is another book, the Lamb's Book of Life. Chapter 20 and verse 12 Verse 15, the Lamb's book of life and those who are written into that book will be saved into life. But everyone else, and even death and Hades too, will be cast into the lake of fire. A terrifying judgment, and and even heaven and earth fled when that judgment came. Chapter 20, verse 11. But now we can see as we break into chapter 21 and the vision continues. Oh, uh, the joy of this new creation wonder that then comes. A new heaven and a new earth. And it is coming for all those who are saved on account of being written into the Lamb's book of life. The new creation paradise is for Jesus' church. Verse 2 goes on to reveal. And I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The bride is the Bible's language for the church. Those people Jesus saved, written down in his book, are now metaphored here as as a new city, the new Jerusalem. And the Bible says that in the end there will be a cosmic celebration pictured here, like a marriage ceremony between Jesus and his church. It's like like Jesus' people, all of the people he saves, will be ceremonially sealed forever as his, such that God will forever dwell with his people. Verse 3, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. If you were with us in our last series where we tracked through God's covenant promises in Scripture, this is the consummation. The consummation of the longing that God has always been working towards, that he will dwell with his people that he will be their God, and they will be his people, and there will never anymore be any sin to get in between. Jesus saves all his people from sin so that they can dwell forever with him. And he already does dwell with us by his Spirit even now, helping us struggle in the meanwhile against sin. 
But when we are in the presence of God in this new creation, there will be only good and good forever will be. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And the new creation that we're looking at here in this vision of the future will not be like this one that we know now. It will be life forever. Because death will have been thrown into the fire. And it will only be good in God's presence. No sorrow, no sadness, no, no pain anymore. And that sounds too good to our ears. Too good to be true. And it is too good. But it's also too true. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is certain to happen because God has decreed it. And it's already as good as done because Jesus has already done what is required by his cross that we reflected on on Good Friday to make this come true. He said to me, verse 6, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so Jesus' people can be sure that this is coming to us, just as he promised us. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Without payment to us, that is. The payment for our sin that had cut us off from God was, was paid for by Jesus, as we reflected on Friday. And, and, and so this never-ending life can now flow to all who are his. He will give it to us. He will give it to us, verse 6. And the one who conquers, verse 7, will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. But it won't be for those in the fire. Verse 8 reminds us again that, that we need Jesus' payment to cover our sin. As for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulphur, which is the second death. And so that is how everything will end, not just in judgment as we reflected on Friday, but in an eternal state that now comes, either living with God in his presence where goodness forever will flow, or in the lake of fire where torment goes on. A new creation is coming for all of God's people, where they will dwell altogether with him, and everyone else will be cast out, cut off from God's blessings forever. When Jesus rose from the dead that first Easter Sunday morning, it signalled the certain coming of all this, this, this new creation order, this paradise for God's people and 
the lake reserved for everyone else. Jesus showed us in the flesh that there is life after death. We have to think into this space. He rose from the dead and showed us there is more up ahead. So let's now work our way back to that Easter and that empty Sunday tomb. And particularly, can we focus today on on the first of those two forevers that are reserved for the end? The, The new creation paradise being prepared for God's people. What do you think that'll actually be like? Well, we've seen in our text that it will only be good. Yeah, it'll only be good. There's no mourning, there's no crying, no pain. That's what this world and this life are like, but they are passing away. And so too we've seen there in that text that it will be eternal, never-ending, because death will be gone. If, If there is no more death, then this life must go on forever when it comes. What else, though, does the Bible say beyond these few verses about that paradise and and what that paradise will be like? It'd be good to know, don't you think? Will it be like that popular picture, you know, of, of like, will be spirits floating around in the clouds? No, it won't, because we will have a resurrection body, just like Jesus. Jesus was raised on that first Easter Sunday as the first fruits of the new creation. First fruits meaning the rest of his people can look forward to something just like that. And Jesus was raised with a physical body. It was visible, physical, touchable flesh. His disciples thought he must be a ghost because, you know, this was impossible to their minds, but he said, See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see, that I have. The risen Jesus ate fish with his disciples, and even cooked fish for his friends. He broke bread. He stayed with them 40 days. He was no spirit in the clouds like that pop culture idea. And yet, his resurrection body was of a different kind and a different glory. He seems to have been able to pass through locked doors to be with his friends. He was lifted up and hidden by clouds, taken up into heaven in front of their eyes. The risen Lord Jesus had a new creation body. Tangible, physical, just like we know, but glorious and mysterious, capable of of unfathomable things. The Apostle Paul wrestles with this in 1 Corinthians 15 and he describes the difference as, as, as changing from a natural body made of the earthly to a spiritual body made of the heavenly. He says the first man, that is Adam, was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man, Jesus, is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born in the image of the man of dust, 
we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Jesus was raised with a tangible body. But it was heavenly, spiritual and and of a whole new kind. And we should look forward to something the same. So that empty tomb on Resurrection Sunday morning tells us not just good news about Jesus, but good news about us who are his just as well. And it turns out that pop culture image needs a bit of a makeover. Easter Sunday tells us to look forward to a tangible, physical us as new creation bodies with substance and form, visible, touchable, and yet gloriously new. When Jesus rose from the dead in his new creation body and and, and he went and met with and ate with and spent time with his friends, I wonder how he looked at everyone else. While they're all standing in utter disbelief, I wonder how he looked at them. I wonder if Jesus looks upon his people in two different ways. Currently, you know, in in their this-world form, people of earth, people of dust, as Paul puts it. But destined, destined in the new creation that he's making for their bodies of heaven. Imperishable, glorious, powerful, spiritual bodies in the image of his resurrection body. I wonder how Jesus looks at all these people, at people like me and and like you. Would he not see us uh, at present in our old world form as bodies of dust? And, and yet, don't you think he would know? Even now, he, he would know and he would see us, therefore, in our future body. How, how he will make us new. We always spend Easter looking in wonder at the empty tomb, considering the risen Jesus in our eyes. And how we behold him. I think we also need to learn to think about how he sees us. To see ourselves in Jesus' eyes, I think is healthy for us to reflect on. Because beyond Easter, we kind of spend all of our time, you know, thinking about these bodies of dust. Don't we? That's kind of that's kind of where our mind is always locked. That's the plane our thinking is always locked in on. Uh, these bodies of dust and and everything that goes with it. You know the the frustration, the wheels falling off, the war against sin, all the mourning and crying and pain of verse four. But we must learn to lock onto this picture of what is promised us and what is certain to be true. We will be newly created children of God with glorious and mysterious spiritual bodies, drinking eternally, welling up water of life that he will give us as we dwell forever with him. I reckon Jesus must see us both ways already. But probably more from the perspective of the new. 
What do you reckon? We should daydream about these things, brothers and sisters, because they are so certain and true. Jesus showed us on Easter Sunday how how certain this is, that we will be part of that wonder to come. I can drop back into 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, But in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So yes, friends, we can daydream. We can look forward to this with no shadow of a doubt if we belong to Jesus. This is God's plan for his people at the end. And yet as much as we might enjoy dreaming about it, since we can know it for sure, everyone in the meantime just has to wait. Because Jesus is working a long salvation plan that still hasn't finished. And so all these glorious things are still yet to come. We must wait for this until he comes. And in the meanwhile, as we wait, death will come in this world for whom death comes. But death cannot hold any believer out of what God is remaking brand new. Easter was just the beginning. 1 Thessalonians 4, we read, Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep is is the New Testament language for dying. Because it isn't going to hold us in that state. It seems that in the early church, such as at Thessalonica there in 1 Thessalonians 4, people were anticipating these things to kick in in their lifetime, Christ's imminent return. But it was taking a while, and and meanwhile, some people had died, and, and grief was starting to rise and build for fear that those people who had died had missed this new creation. Paul wrote to console them and explain to them too that Jesus is working a long salvation plan and that plan continues still today. And by now, many, many people of Jesus have died and still we must wait. But do not grieve for those believers who have died along the way because Jesus will make all of them new. There is a resurrection coming for all of his people. So although none of us probably want to, it doesn't matter if we die before Jesus comes because death cannot hold us out of what he has promised. The only thing that matters is that we do belong to him. Here's what that will look like if you do. 
If you do belong to Jesus, you will take hold of this promise of this new creation, and your heart will rejoice and respond as only it can in light of such truth. You'll repent of your sin and trust Jesus to save you, and you'll follow him, trusting his call. You'll start to feel new life rising within. And all of these things are signs that he is already making you new. Because his new creation has already started. And your new creation identity is already settled by Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5 Living here on as Jesus' people is to live every day with one foot already in this new creation that he's making. It's living as a newly created being, waiting for the fullness of glory that we know is still coming, but with a certain identity and a deep-seated joy and assurance that we already are part of the new. Because this is how Jesus sees us now. All of us who are his. Revelation 21, Jesus sees us as a heavenly city, as his bride being adorned, ready for him, as God's children who he will live with forever. These New creation things are not theoretical futures. They are certain and certainly true. He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. If we come to Jesus and put our trust in him, then we are already being made new. With much more to come, of course, when this body of dust goes its way, and yet inside, marked as Jesus's, for the forever and ever good in the new. No matter what comes along on on the way through this life, The rest will now follow by the promise of God. He is making all of us new. Happy Easter.